Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Pause I Am Radio. Your host for tonight's show are Robert Brining and Jeremy Dunn. They will be taking your calls and speaking with a different guest each week. You are encouraged to call in and share your life experiences with us. The number to call is 347-215-9442. That number again, 347-215-9442. Are you ready for your dose of hope? You're listening to Pause I Am Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Pause I Am Radio. I'm your host, Robert Brining. This evening, my fabulous New York co-host, Jeremy Dunn, is joining me. How are you doing, Jeremy? I'm doing great. I'm actually, I just literally stepped off the Staten Island Ferry, and I'm walking up the hill. So I'm, I'm, I'm live and on the street yet again. <laughs> yes, that's what we were going to do this year, this week. Talk to the people on the streets. <laughs> Talk to the people on the street, exactly. I might grab somebody and ask them what they think, you know, about what's going on in today's world with HIV. But who knows? Uh, either that, I'm just going to get winded and, and pass out. Yes, yes. So today's actually... It, it, uh, it, it's, it's, it's freezing here. I, I just have to tell you that right now. Okay? It's cold. Is it, is it cold up there? It's freezing it's here there in Philly. It's very cold. There's still snow on the ground. There's ice everywhere. It's, you know, the winter is for the birds. <laughs> Not That's even the I birds. Hate. They fly south. <laughs> I hate. I hate the cold weather. I hate it. But at least it's only temporary, you know. Yeah, I hear you. You know, spring will be here before you know it. Exactly. Only in less than a month. Actually, in about six weeks. Yes. Six weeks, and we'll have winter or, or springtime. Yay! Right. I'm excited too. Actually, to put some shorts too. on and get out. <laughs> so, um, so I want to um, I want to thank everybody for joining us tonight. We have a, a great show coming up. We're going to do an hour of hot topics with Jeremy and I, and uh, we're we're just going to be talking about you know some topics that have hit the headlines recently, and then some general topics that you know the everyday person who is either newly diagnosed with HIV or a long-term survivor actually, you know, has to deal with on, uh, you know, on a basis as they progress, um, you know, with, uh, with, with living with, with the HIV. Hiv. So, with, with the, the HIV. Yes. With the house in Vermont. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you, said Virgin- you said Vermont, I said Virginia. <laughs> You're probably Fun. hearing, uh, so, so, again, uh, I want to apologize to our listeners because I'm literally outside, so you're going to be hearing noises. And then when I walk into my house, you're probably going to hear my dog. <laughs> so <laughs> that's okay. It happens. So it I does. want to. Um, I, I, I want to. Um, before we get into some of the the topics that we're going to discuss, um, I want to uh, mention some of the shows that we have had recently that you may have missed, or if you're a first time listener and you haven't had the chance to listen to any of our shows, we had some great ones in the last um, couple weeks. Uh, last week we spoke with uh, Alexander Smith, which has an amazing um, story to share, and he runs a website called Bless Your Virus. Um, you know, you can check that out in our in our archives on either iTunes or um, on the PauseIM website, or you can actually catch it also on blogtalkradio.com backslash PauseIM. Um, the week before that, we had um, a local uh, guy here from Philly named Josh Kruger who shared his story, which uh, that had some amazing conversation um, uh, with him talking about all sorts of intel- intelligent stuff um, regarding HIV uh, criminalization and things uh, of that nature. So that was a great show, um, and we're going to definitely have him back on again. And then previously, before that, we spoke with Jason King from AIDS Healthcare Foundation, who, again, brought some really uh, great conversation about HIV meds and the pharmaceutical companies and, and what the AIDS Healthcare Foundation does uh, for those living with HIV. And uh, the week before that, which was right before New Year's, we spoke with James Brennig, who is, again, another uh, friend of mine, actual personal friend from Philly, 
um, area, um, and he uh, broke the silence by talking about uh, sharing his HIV status uh, publicly on Facebook um, and coming out using a social media. So that was a, a great show to to uh, catch in the archives as well. Um, so, uh, Jeremy, you want me to just start off with the hot topics, or do you have anything yeah, else you want to talk off, about? Or do you have anything going on? I, I'm, I'm literally walking up a very steep hill. Um, I'm getting ready to pass, plan, uh, pass a, the Planned Parenthood. Actually, I think I just did. No, nope, I'm getting ready to. <laughs> plan, that's funny. Yeah, so so you go in and, and ask them about, uh, you know, a pregnancy test. <laughs> that's, so that's, that's kind of interesting that you brought up Planned Parenthood because one of the topics <clears> – <throat> I want to talk about it, and what we want to do is we want to kind of start it off with, um, you know, the beginning stages of finding out your, you know, HIV positive all the way up to um, HIV criminalization, uh, serosorting, and aging with HIV. Um, one of the things I wanted to uh, talk about is how somebody can go and find a testing clinic. If you want to go and get tested for HIV or, um, you know, any STD, there are, are clinics all around, and there's a, a fabulous website um, called AIDS.gov that you can go on, and I'll, I'll put that in the chat room for everybody. And oh, you and can actually go on. Don't forget, Robert, just to, just get tested. Yes. You know, I didn't get that far. Order. You can order the test, take it to the lab of your choosing, have the test, and then have, and then go online and look up your results. Right. So that's um, one thing that you can do. I mean, we can talk about home tests. Um, if you don't want to actually go to a, a clinic physically, some people are afraid to be seen going into a testing clinic. Um, they assume that if somebody sees you going in there that they, um, you know, that you're going to be known for being HIV positive. And, you know, that's not the case. People go into clinics all the time. But if you go to AIDS.gov and you type in your uh, zip code, you're actually – able to find testing clinics near you. And I actually was uh, just on AIDS.gov, and I, and I typed it in. And that's why I said it was funny that you brought up Planned Parenthood, because in my local area there are three testing clinics, and all three of them are Planned Parenthood. Yeah, so uh, literally Planned Parenthood is, is down the block from my, from my apartment here on, uh, in St. George on Staten Island. So if you're anywhere and, near and you want to, you know, take the nice scenic ferry across the New York Harbor, you can get tested. The other thing that's really good about AIDS.gov is um, there's also an app that you can download on your phone, which will allow you to do this as well. So if you have a smartphone or an iPhone or an Android or whatever, you're able to download the app out of the store. Um, but they not only show you HIV testing clinics, but they also um, will bring up results for uh, – local areas where you can get housing assistance, where there's health centers, where there's Ryan White HIV care, uh, mental health, substance abuse, and family planning. So it, it's a really great website to find um, the services that you need if you're looking to, you know, get tested or, or find some sort of assistance. So AIDS.gov uh, is the website that we can talk about. And throughout the hour, if there's any topic that we are bringing up, you are more than welcome to call into the show here live and speak with Jeremy and I. You can call us at 347-215-9442 and press the one button so we know you want to actually come on air and you're not just listening to the show live through the telephone. Um, and we'll be taking calls all hour, so give us a call at any time with either a topic or an opinion or a comment on what we're speaking about right now live. Um, the next thing I wanted to talk about um, was why people get tested. Um, why do people get you? tested, Robert? Well, people get tested because they want to find out their status. And actually, finding out your status is the first step in taking care of your health, you know, your, your, your sexual health, and the first step in, in getting yourself together. Because if you are HIV positive and you don't know it, um, you know, the virus is attacking your body and, and, and you're not able to, you know, defend yourself. So I think it's important that people go and get tested at these clinics or use uh, justgettested.com to, to get a test in the mail and, and find out your status because that is the first step in, in, in taking care of yourself. It's important. I mean, what are your thoughts on why you think people... I just want... Okay, so I have to be quiet because Daniel looks like he's already in bed and uh, the door is 
trip shot there. Charlie just came over and said hello to me. She's up on the bed right now. She's got rabbit in her mouth. Hold on. Hold on. I have to say hello to her. Um, um, All right. You, you, you go and I got you. Hold, hold on. Hold on. So, Here we go. I'm going to say hello to everybody. Everybody, you're with me on the air. And Charlie's right here. She's got rabbit. She's bringing rabbit to me. She's coming over to give me a hug. And she says, hi, Dad. Hello. Rabbit <laughs> her favorite is dog. Her favorite doll ever. Charlie, why do you think it's important for people to get an HIV test? Oh, you know what she says? It's because yeah, you've got to love yourself enough to take control of your physical health. Oh, she's giving me kisses and stuff. So, you, so what, what she said is that you have to love yourself enough to take control of your sexual health? Exactly. That's exactly what she said. Okay. You were just muffled, so I just wanted to make it clear for the people listening live. Yeah. No, um, no. That, that's because I had a dog tongue um, in my face. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, you make a good point. You have to love yourself. And that kind of, um, you know, evolves into the next topic that I wanted to bring up, which was, you know, becoming newly diagnosed and how you deal with finding out you're HIV positive. Um, you know, you walk into the clinic and, and you sit down and the, the counselor or the tester who is there usually does this little intake, um, you know, kind of uh, paperwork conversation with you and, and finds out what your um, behaviors are that you think that may, your risky behaviors that may have put you at risk. You know, so they kind of do like an assessment. And, and the reason that I am somewhat familiar with this is because I just went through the process of becoming a counselor and tester and still looking for a job, FYI, anybody in the world who wants to hire me. Um, but I am trying, um, you know, to explain it so people understand is they do this, you know, this, this questionnaire with you and, and find out about what behaviors you do and, and what sets you off and what, what's your trigger to do these behaviors to find out what state of mind that you are in. Um, a lot of the times they ask you if you found out that you were um, HIV positive, would you, um, you know, what would you do? You know, and if you respond with, oh, my God, you know, because, you know, people do respond with different things. I, I've learned by going through the training that you get people who respond with, oh, I do nothing. I live my life the way that it is. I know that it's not a death sentence anymore. I know that medication has come a long way to the other end of the spectrum where people are like, oh, my God, I'm going to kill myself or I won't be able to live anymore. Or even worse, they would go and attack or hurt the person that they were with. And usually if you have a response that is on the negative side, uh, like I mentioned, they actually will not test you um, if they feel that you will harm yourself or others or are so not stable they enough. They won't test you. They tell you, uh, basically I would say, I'm sorry, I can't test you today. If you come back, you know, another day, um, you know, maybe we could we could do that. You know, because it's all in the frame of mind with the person. If um, If they're in that so, bad space, it's not a good idea to test them. Okay. So, so you tell them that they need to what? Uh, calm down, come back when they're in a better frame of mind. What, what do you tell? Them? Well, what I would tell them is right now. Unfortunately, right now I'm not able to test you. Um, you know, regarding whatever the situation is, whether it is you know you, the answers. You know, you kind of either you kind of just tell them that you're not able to test them today, and even if they're persistent and be like, fine, then I want you know I want the other tester, Kevin, to to test me or whatever it is. They, as a whole, the organization should not test somebody who has that kind of negative response to what would you do if you found out you were positive today because it, it, could, it could be, you know, it could really, this person could really go and take their life. And if you're not ready to hear the news that you're HIV positive, then it, it's not a good idea for the tester to test you at all. And even if the, test, the person comes in and they say they're high on drugs or they're drunk, that is not a time when you actually should test somebody um, because you're not able to actually have their right frame of, you know, they don't, they're not in the right frame of mind to actually hear that news, absorb it, and understand the, the information that you're going to hand them, whether it's resources or, um, you know, uh, referrals to go see, you know, um, a, counsel, a counselor that you can talk to about it or support groups. They, they won't be open to that kind of information when they're stoned or, you know, they're, they're, they're drunk or they're, you know, in some sort of negative frame of mind, like I'm going to kill this person who infected me. So, okay, so, so I, I think we just learned a couple of, of, of really important pieces, right? It's, A, don't get drunk and get tested, okay? <laughs> I can handle that. Don't be high and get tested, okay? I can do that too. 
and don't be sad. Don't be angry. Be, you know, be in a, pardon the pun, but be in a positive frame of mind, if you will. You know, you don't want to be in that negative, that negative frame of mind where Mm -hmm. uh, someone might think that you're going to hurt yourself or hurt someone else. Is that right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's really important that if you are hesitant about getting tested and you have a fear that this might come back, because these tests come back, I mean, instantly you get these results, I mean, within about, some of them come back as quick as 10 minutes and some of them come back, you know, 20 minutes. It all depends on the different tests because there's different ones that they use. Um, But it's really good that you go with somebody else because if you do happen to find out that you're HIV positive, you're going to want that kind of support. You're going to need somebody there who is able to, you know, maybe talk you off the ledge or, or bring you down a little bit back into reality. So um, that's important. Always bring a testing buddy with you. Testing buddy. Hmm. I kind of like that, a testing buddy. Yeah. They teach me a lot yeah. in that class. I, you know, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's like grab your buddy's hand and go get tested. That's I, right. I, I'm with you there. I can do that. I can say that. That makes sense. You're breaking up a little bit, so oh, uh, why are you sorry? That, that was the um, that was my uh, headphone. It, it fell down. So <laughs> no, that's fine. Actually, we have a caller who's sitting online, so oh, I want to go ahead and go to the line. So area code two one five, which is my local area. You're on the air. Who's this? Uh, hey, Robert. It's, it's uh, Josh Kruger. How are you guys doing? Good, Josh. How are you? Oh, we're great. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, this is Josh Kruger, who we talked to a couple of weeks ago. Not only is he smart, but he's dreamy. <laughs> oh. I bet you tell that to all the boys. Nope. No? Nope, because okay. some of them are just aren't. I mean, no, sorry. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I think we've already, all, yeah, we've already been over the fact that I slept with half of them anyway, so. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, uh I, I think this is actually great that you guys are having this discussion about um, uh, about the stigma attached to people wanting to go into testing sites and that sort of thing. And uh, I was just kind of curious about, um, because especially, um, I mean, both of you have a lot of experience when it comes to um, HIV AIDS outreach testing. I mean, Robert, you, you were just talking about how, um, it, you know, you got your certification and everything. So, I mean, I was curious what you guys were thinking when it, in relation to, the fear that people have when they come into getting themselves tested, do you think that maybe um, past initiatives on part of organizations have contributed to people's fear? Uh, like what I'm talking about is like the gay men's health crisis, um, talking about like condom use and the fact that if we don't wear a condom, we're going to die. And, and and saying things like this in the 90s back when it was kind of necessary, do you think that that kind of re- left like a residual hangover to where people are almost so afraid that they're like negatively impacting themselves through ignorance? I was just kind of curious what you guys had to think about that. Um, do I think that it had a, a negative effect on, on, on today, people going and get tested? Yeah. Um, I think it does if the person who is going to get tested isn't that educated um, because back in the day, you know, those things, they used scare tactics kind of to get people in to get tested because people were dying. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So they, they right. kind of, a lot of the campaigns were scare tactics and they showed horrible images of people, um, you know, in, in the final stages of AIDS and stuff like that. Jeremy, what are your thoughts on it? Um, you know, I, I think... I think there's a, some different factors now about why people are afraid to go get tested. Um, I, I think, and, and I know we're going to touch on this a little bit later in the uh, in, in the discussion, but the criminalization issue, I think because it is becoming so big, I, I think people are afraid of finding out, A, they're positive, and B, that they could be um, prosecuted for it. And, and I think, and, and and I think that has more to do with uh, communities of color and poverty, um, especially in the southeast United States. So where where we're seeing the infections, um, uh, where the most infections are coming from these days, where where there is a true uh, epidemic crisis going on. So I, I, I think that that's part of it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I kind of agree with that too. And I, I mean, but I also kind of have a question in that 
like, do you, do you, one of the things that I think that is this huge blind spot um, when you're talking about the southeast United States is the fact that we have cities, metropolitan areas in the, in the, in the states where you can get, there are no waiting lists for HIV medications. Like in Philadelphia, right. there's pretty much there's no waiting list. We have emergency grant programs through the SPBP through that gives Ryan White funding and everything, where you can immediately go on medication. Through we have you have your pick of different ASOs and organizations here in Philadelphia, um, and I know New York is similar, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Chicago. Like, but I hear this story, this narrative of people that are in Georgia, in Louisiana, of people like in Georgia has Georgia has a two thousand person long waiting list for the SPBP, and it, like part of me is just wondering like is this a blind spot on part of the organizations that they're not addressing the fact that you know people are actually dying on account of lack of action on part of the government, and um, maybe this is something that can be addressed in the future. Well, I, I think when you get to that point and you're down in what they call red states that are um, primarily Republican-controlled uh, 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 mm-hmm. legislatures, Republicans have a history, and you're seeing this play out now in the national stage, exactly. that people that they think that people are responsible to themselves and that no one else should be helping them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that in those states that Republicans are in, in, in power, um, they tend to say, well, you know what? They deserve what they got because of what they were, because of the behaviors they were existing. They still think that. Right. So right. Um, they're not inclined and they're not um, uh, motivated to, mm-hmm. to to see that people are getting the treatment that they need. Right. right. That's my opinion. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, thanks, guys. Thanks so much. Sure. Thanks for calling nice. back in. Mm-hmm. No problem. Have a good night. So um, he, he touched a little bit on ADAPT, and one of the things I wanted to uh, bring up is, you know, um, we're friends uh, with the ADAPT Advocacy Association and Brandon Maxada, and I just actually went on their website so I could get an, an update of the ADAPT waiting list and what they are because they were at one point 10,000 people in the United States were on these waiting lists trying to receive their life-saving medications. And actually right now, as of January 17, 2013, there are only 51 individuals in four states that are on waiting lists. And I think that's an incredible thing because that's one point that well, was over 10,000. But, but, but what you have to also realize is that many of those states just eliminated the list. Right. They have Captain Rollman. So, so, so even though that there's nobody on a waiting list, people still don't have their medication. People still are technically waiting, but they're not on a waiting list because they capped the enrollment. So it, mm-hmm. it, it, it's, I, I think it's misleading. Yes. You can't, because, because you can't tell me, you can't tell me that all of these states actually funded their ADAP programs. I, they didn't. They, they simply got rid of the list. They got rid of the waiting list. Oh, look at that! We don't have anybody on the list because we don't have one. Right. So I, I think well, it's misleading. I think it's I, I think it's apprehensible, and 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 I think those states, those legislatures, and and those lawmakers should be ashamed of themselves because it you know they are promoting the problem. Mm-hmm. Because we um, know we know that. When you are on treatment, treatment equals prevention. Very true. That's very true. And and uh, um, the states that actually have uh, people on the waiting list that actually show it here, uh, there's 30 people in, in South Dakota and 21 people in Idaho. So it looks like well, that. All, you know, it, it, that's the entire population of both of those states. <laughs> but it looks like all the, 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 the southeastern states that so we were talking about, the Alabama, Louisiana, Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, all, Virginia, all those places that had very high waiting lists previously, 
They look like they've all have done that, either that capped enrollment. You know, that's exactly what they did. And that's exactly so, what North Carolina did. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Charlie. I, I'm getting excited, and she's coming over to make sure I'm okay. So, you know, it's it's important that we, we keep uh, an ear out for, for what's going on, and you can always go to the ADAPTAdvocacyassociation.org website and, um, you know, stay up to date about it. There's conferences that we do every year, so we'll be doing one in um, in, in July, I believe. So um, come check it out. Be a part of the solution. That's the way I look at it. Um, one of the other things that I, I wanted to kind of move to, and it's funny, every time I hear this statement, I think of our friend uh, Kevin Maloney, who runs the blog Rise Up to HIV, and um, it's linkage to care. And it's funny because I always thought, oh, well, it's not a big deal. If people want to get care, they should go get it. It's easy, it's accessible. They should be able to go get it. But it's and not going easy the, and accessible. Yeah. Right. But after going through the training for the, the counseling and the testing here in Philly, I realize how important that is because when those people come in, they're in a fog when they find out they're positive. You know what I mean? And, and they'll come in to get tested and find out that they're positive, but then there's also other, um, I guess, resources that they need, which would be, um, you know, depending on their, their specific situation, uh, they may need drug and alcohol help, you know, counseling and help. You know, and you may, may need to direct them that way. So there's a lot of... Um, important things that people need to find out, like finding a doctor, which is, um, well, I guess what we'll move on to next, which is a part of linkage to care. How important is it for you to find a doctor in your area, you know, that is, you know, educated and is actually, you know, involved in the community? Because a lot of people who do get tested don't go to an infectious disease doctor. They may just go to, uh, you know, a clinic on a regular basis. And I think it's important that we actually go to these places that have these, you know, specialty doctors. Um, so, so let, let's stay with, let, let's stay in the Southeast for a minute. Okay. Or let's, let's stay in North Dakota and, and Idaho. Let's, let's go to Missouri. Let's go to Kansas. Let's go to, um, Arkansas. I, I'm mentioning these places because they're not known for urban centers like Philadelphia, like Pittsburgh, like New York, like Boston, like Chicago, like Los Angeles or San Francisco. These places are very rural. And you've got people who can't get to care because they simply live too far away from the closest doctor. Um, I am talking with individuals now, you know, on on Facebook and Twitter and, and other places where it takes them four hours, a four-hour drive just to get to the closest doctor who specializes in HIV. That's That's atrocious. That's atrocious. So people simply don't go. They can't get to care. Um, When you're, you know, when you're, uh, you know, living in, you know, living in poverty and, and you don't have money, there are no buses that go that way. Um, they don't have the transportation. So, it, it, you know, it, it, we, we say that people need to get into care, but the problem is that we need to get care to people. Um, and, and that's, I think that's the, uh, I think that's, that's the, uh, that's the difference. And, and I like that. you know, we got to get care to people. Uh, because when you're treating HIV, you're not just treating a virus, you're treating the person. You know, it's... You have to treat the person as a whole. You know, I can throw meds at a virus, right? But how are you treating their emotional state? How are you treating uh, their physical state? How are you... You know, do they have adequate housing? These are things that... When, when we talk about linkage to care, that these are the things that we have to be able to talk about and, and be able to wrap into a package. You know, in order for someone to be successful on treatment and in care, they need to have a stable home environment. They, I think that's stable right there. I, I, I think that if you don't have a stable environment where you are safe, and you're living every day, 
I don't think you're going to worry. You're not necessarily going to worry about taking your medication. You're worrying about where am I going to sleep tonight? Where's my next meal coming from? You know, you're thinking about this primal instinctive uh, survival aspects of, of your life and, and not your um, and not worry too much about, you know, am I going to see my doctor today? So I, I think that's a big piece of linkage to care. It's it's ensuring that people are able to get, uh, you know, we need to bring care to them. And if we continue talking about this a little bit further, I personally think that um, we have a we have a growing homeless population. We need mm-hmm. we need to get out to those populations. We need to get out to. Um, you know, under the bridges, in the subway tunnels, uh, on the streets, uh, and, and get people tested out there, um, figuring out a way to get them the treatment and the care that they need. Uh, no, I think it's, it's it's very important that we um, are able to test and and and, and treat the homeless um, community. Absolutely, because and look at the growing homeless youth. And and let's narrow that down. The homeless LGBTQ youth. Yeah. You know, um a lot of these kids are selling themselves. Why? In order to survive. Yeah, that's a shame. You know, they're they're selling themselves for food, for drugs, for, for whatever they are. Just to sleep in a warm bed for a night. They're willing to, you know, sell their bodies so that they have a warm place to stay. So these are things that um, that we have to talk about. We can't just ignore. Uh, we can't ignore these poor kids. We can't ignore the poor adults that are doing the same thing. So it, it's, yeah. uh, again, it's, it's it's yeah, linkage to care, but let's get the care to the people. Yes, so let's um, move on and go to um, a caller we have here on hold, area code 770. You're on the air. Who's this? Yeah, this is Reggie Dunbar in Atlanta. How are you? Hey, Reggie. Hey, how Reggie, are you, how are you? I'm good. How about yourselves? Great. Whoever was making the comment in reference to Lincoln's Care is 100% on target. Uh, I've been a member of Ryan County Council here in Georgia for over 10 years, committee, and that is our number one issue is how do we coordinate the medical aspect of a person with the other service. You're 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 right. I mean, how do you do, how do you do that? I'm sorry. Um, I, I'm I, I'm getting uh, a a facial bath from my dog. She just had to come over and give me kisses. Um, <laughs> sorry about that, but no, you're absolutely right, Reggie. You, you know, we we tend always to to put the um, pressure and or not the pressure, I should say, put the accountability on the patient and um, have the patient you know figure out a way to get the care that they need. I I think we need to reverse that thinking a little bit, you know, because not everybody has the ability to get there. Uh, Not everybody is comfortable with walking into a mental health facility or a clinic to uh, see somebody and talk to somebody. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, I truly honestly believe deep down that if, if we are able to get, you know, Healthcare providers and care and care providers out to the people, then I, I think that would be a huge step forward. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's just my opinion, and this is Jeremy talking. So, no, I mean, I, I, this is Robert, and I, I I agree with what you're saying, and I think a lot of um, it, a lot of it comes from um, you know a stigma which is a topic that we're going to be touching on, but a lot of it comes from the, the stigma behind the disease. People don't want to be, they don't want to talk about it. It's taboo to 
talk about HIV. I mean, I remember being diagnosed and not even be able to, to say those three letters. You know what I mean? Like just bringing those letters out of my mouth to, to talk about. It was like forbidden. I just didn't talk about it. So it, it, it's tough. And to go into a clinic and get tested, it, it can be a little overwhelming. Yep, that's one of the reasons what we've done here in Georgia. When just in the formation stage of this, we've formed an organization. It's called Positive Peers of Georgia. And one of the missions of it is for someone who's positive who has a little bit more footing on the ground to guide, direct, talk with, be a counselor for someone who may not be as footed and grounded. That's, um, so, 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 Reggie, um, I, I'd like to keep you on just for another couple minutes here. What do you mean by that? Um, are you are you saying, uh, as a peer counselor, it's you know, it's it's kind of like the buddy system. You're you're pairing someone up who has uh, the background of of navigating all of that, and and putting them with someone who who's never done it. Is that is that what you're saying, or is that exactly. part of it? exactly what it is. Uh, for example, I happen to be a veteran, so I don't have the same issue of medication as say, someone who's not a not, who is not a veteran. However, even in the VA system, there's a lot of veterans who have transportation issues. So you, you have to be able to navigate whatever system that you're in in order to assist someone else to go through that same system. No, that makes you know. I I, I just want to say that on, on about the, the peer the peer counseling. I think it is the utmost important that these ASOs and testing centers have peer counselors or people who are there who are living with HIV to be a physical resource for somebody who is newly diagnosed and has all these questions. I think it's ideally the best thing that an ASO can do. Say that again, Robert. Say say that one more time. I said I think it is the best thing that an ASO or a testing center can do is to have somebody like one of us there working at, you know, at the clinic who is basically a living, breathing resource for somebody who is living with HIV and just found out they were, you know, just found out they were diagnosed HIV positive to, to, to kind of guide them in the direction and to give them some hope. Because when you hear that news, you're devastated. You're shocked, and you lose all hope. And to know that somebody is there who's been positive for a decade or longer or, you know, a few years and, and is, is doing well, I think it is important that that resource of another living person with HIV is there. It, it's important. Uh, I, I agree. And and I think something that um, – something else that, we, that, that I don't think we've actually touched on is – ensuring that people are assessed for the right care, for the right linkage of care. And and sometimes if it, it so for example, if you are out in Huntsville, Tennessee, as as Anthony in the chat room says, or or Yakima, Washington, and you don't have access to an ASO, how do how does that patient, besides seeing a doctor ever so often, Get assessed for other needs. For for you know, do they qualify for a food bank? Do they qualify for such things? You know, how how are they being assessed for these things? And 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 is anybody doing a wellness check on on these people? You know, because it, it's again, I I, I want to go back to to my previous comment and. Uh, 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 and, and just say that it, it, total linkage to care is just that it's total care. You have to care for the person, and and you know, and, and assess and address all of those all of those things. You know, you know, it's um, uh, uh, you know, it's 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 about you know mental health. It's about housing. It's about their peer network. 
do they have a supportive, safe environment that they're living in? And if they don't, what do we do about those things? You know, are, are they living with someone that might be a danger to them? Are they, are they living with somebody who, who just doesn't get it? I mean, I, 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 those are those are questions always that that always pop in my head when we talk about linkage linkage to care. No, I, I totally agree, and I want to thank Reggie for for calling into the show. And um, I haven't forgot you, buddy. I wanted I want him to come on the show to talk about the issues that Taz veterans deal with in America and and, and what that situation is like. So, um, I, I Reggie, I will be in contact with you to have you on. I, I didn't forget about that. Um, so no, linkage to care is important, um, and, and one of the things that you know people should be given when they are diagnosed is finding a support group. I think a support group is is very important for somebody living with HIV. Um, I myself, I go to one here in Philly called the Mazzoni Center. Uh, Jeremy, I'm not sure if you have been to any up there in New York or if you attend it. I know our friends uh, and and you know, one of our, um, uh, our, our 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 good friends actually, uh, Scott Kramer. Uh, he runs a support group up in New York, and it's called uh, High Five. Yeah, no, I, you know, I got to tell you, I, I really haven't been um, to to uh, to any uh, support groups or anything like that. Um, uh, now, this is going to sound, I don't, it, I, this is going to sound conceited. <laughs> this is going to sound awful when I say this, but. It, I haven't found the need at this point to go to a support group at, at this point, at this time in my life. And, and well, I guess that doesn't sound conceited at me. It, it just, it is what it is, right? I haven't found that need yet. No, I mean, it, it's different for everybody. I mean, when I was first diagnosed, I went to um, a support group. And, of, of course, you know, um, I wasn't in the best state of mind, but – I just, um, real quick, I put the link to uh, Scott's High Five up in New York, the support group there. So if anybody wants to attend it, um, it's in the chat room. Or you can go to scottacramer.com. Um, and I picked out everything about the person who was there in front of me who was speaking, and I felt I can't relate to him. He's much older than me. I can't relate to him because he's straight. I couldn't relate to her because it's a girl. She's a girl. You know what I mean, like there was things that I would pick out about the people in the room that I felt would exclude me from being in the same boat as them. And now, you know, eleven years later, I go to a support group, you know, on a weekly basis, and I don't look at the differences between me and the other guys or the girls in the room. I I seem to focus on the similarities that we're all there for help and. The support group has actually become a, a, a support base for me of friends, people that I can call when things are going on, and they can call me. Like, they'll call me when, when they start meds, and they'll be asking them questions. And it's just, for me, it's, it's like a little family that I have that I know I can go and see. My little pods, peeps is what I call them. And it, it lets me know that I'm not alone because there's great, you know, you can find support online, whether you go to thebody.com or uh, if you're a member of the POSIM social network, that's great, and you can find it on Facebook and Twitter. But some of us need that physical um, relationship with other positive people because it, it encourages you to, to move on past your diagnosis and, and to accept it and to be okay with the new you that you are becoming. I, I think it's important that we go to support groups when we need it. Not everybody is a support group person. Jeremy, you said it. it. You know, you don't feel the need to go, then there's no need to go, but... There's times in my life when I felt like I needed that kind of support. I needed somebody to talk to face to face. Yeah, you know, and I, I think eventually, um, I, I think eventually, it, it comes down to uh, not really. You, you know, you get to a point, you get to a place where you have to always, you, you know, you need to ask yourself. Why am I going to the support group? Why am I doing the things that I'm doing? You know, am I going to the support group because I really need the support? Or am I going because I'm there to support someone else? Mm -hmm. Right? And and I think both are valid reasons to go. Um, Whereas it got to a point where it was like, okay, this is just a social outlet for me. And it's like, 
I, I'm not really getting anything out of it. So that's why I haven't really gone. It's you know it's different for everybody. I mean, yeah, exactly. When I look at it. Exactly. I can't believe that we actually have 15 minutes left in the show, and I have tons of topics still to discuss. So I want to um, take a quick break. If you guys want to call us at the show, 347-215-9442, and we will be right back in about 30 seconds. I contracted a preventable disease from a guy that looks good and smells good, but never mentioned that he had HIV. But he is not to blame. I should have loved myself enough to protect myself. But through it all, I found self-love, and it's the greatest thing I ever felt. I was never less than or equal to AIDS, but always greater. I just realized that not caring for myself or my body, I was my biggest hater. I am author of the Naked Truth, Marvin Brown, and I am greater than AIDS. And you are back live with Robert and Jeremy for this hot, hot topic hour. Um, Jeremy, let's let's uh, move on. We do have a couple things I wanted to to touch on uh, quickly. Um, one is disclosure. So um, uh, let's talk about that. How? Uh, what would you you know say to somebody who's asking you about disclosing for the first time? You know, I, I, you know the same thing. I, I tell this to everybody. When you disclose to someone. What is it that you're looking for from that person? Um, and remember that when you disclose to someone, you've given that information to them, and that information no longer belongs to you. Uh, and they're going to be willing to do. Uh, uh, they're going to be able to uh, um, do with that information what they will. And uh, it, 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 it's disclosure is so personal. So you know, mm-hmm. for me, uh, uh, for me, it's um, I uh, I disclose every time, and I'm I'm very out about it, of course. But uh, you know, it's I, I think disclosure is very very important, especially when you're going to have sex with someone. You should always disclose your status. It, it's and, and the reason why I say that. And and I think we have a uh, I think we have a caller coming on. But um, before we before we bring the caller on, I, I just want folks to understand that the reason why I think that you should disclose every time, it's because it's absolutely because it's protecting you. And uh, because you know there's so many states right now. That have legislation that have le- legislation on the books that require us to disclose, and that will prosecute you if you don't. So it, it's very important that, I, and, and I think that you know it's it's uh, you know I kind of I kind of laugh. You know I don't know if you've all seen um, uh, X Men. Um, what was it? Uh, first class X Men. First class. Uh, you know. It, 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 she says something uh, about uh, about uh, uh, mutants and proud. You know, where you know all of us are HIV mutants. If you will. be proud of yourself, be be proud of who you are, and uh, stand up for what you believe in, and and never never lose sight of who you are, because disclosing your status will never change the fact that you are a woman. Should we take the caller? Yes, we have somebody calling from the Sunshine State. So uh, let's see, Eric. So 904, you're on the air. Who's this? Hey, it's Jared. Hey, Jared. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Hey, does that mean if somebody goes home with you, they can say he went to Jared? (laughs) (laughs) You know. (laughs) (laughs) I love Um, it. So, so um, callers, I have to tell you, I met Jared. in Jacksonville, Florida, mm-hmm. uh, back in August. Was it August? Yeah, it was August. Yeah, in Jacksonville, Florida, in August. Cool. So, Jared, uh, what's your question or comment? Um, I just want to, I don't know, make a comment on like what you were saying with the, um, you know, like disclosing everything. I, I don't know. I just moved to to home of Louisiana here. Um, like the past like two weeks ago, and um, I met a really amazing guy, and I was kind of nervous about 
you know, disclosing my, my status to him. And, like, we both sat down at the same time, and his, his words to me were, You're, um, I have something to tell you, but I don't want you to freak out. And um, he actually disclosed his status to me, and, um, you know, it's kind of a, <laughs> I don't know, things kind of worked out really, um, you know, not, I guess, unexpected. <laughs> <laughs> No, that, I think that's that's pretty incredible. Um, you know that that you know you were concerned and worried about it, and you know that does happen. It's happened to me where I've disclosed to somebody, and they were like, you know, so am I. And it's like a whole like like a weight came off your shoulders because you were so concerned and so like you know um, worried about it. And yeah, I think you know that happens more and more you know than than we think. Yeah. And. Yeah, I guess he was having the the anxiety about everything, too, and, like, we, I don't know, after that, everything kind of was, uh, like you said, like a giant weight lifted off my shoulders. (laughs) Well, you know, know, I I think we are also, so let's let's bring it back to a very basic instinct, Um, and I don't mean the movie with Sharon Stone, (laughs) but... But uh, we, as humans, are sexual beings. There mm-hmm. are only a couple of species on this entire planet that have sexual pleasure, and humans and dolphins, I think. And I think there's <laughs> one other one. But humans have sex for pleasure. And uh, humans look at sex. It's very intimate. It, it's enjoyable. It's all about what we... What we're so afraid of is being rejected. Because, um, you know, the, the, the rejection uh, after being, you know, after you tell someone that, by the way, I'm HIV positive, you know, not only are they rejecting you because of your virus, but they're also making adjustments as well. As well. And, and that is always so difficult to wrap your head around. And, uh, and we don't, humans, people, the human, you know, within the human condition, we all want to be accepted, and and I think that's the uh, the biggest thing, you know, is um, you know how do we do that? How how do we how 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 do we accept rejection? And and I think what we have to realize as HIV positive people, men and women, um, we uh, we 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 must. Uh, we we absolutely must uh, get over the fear of rejection because our you, you know it, is this a one night stand is it just a hookup that kind of thing and um, you know the people and I'm going to go back to my Dr. Seuss quote that I love is you know the people that matter don't mind and uh, the people that mind don't matter that's an awesome Dr. Seuss quote. So we do have a couple. Yeah, we do have a couple more things I want to get to. We actually only have about seven minutes left of the show because it flew by. Um, I think we should do this a little bit more often because it, 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 it's interesting. And then we're talking about a lot of things that people always have questions about. So what we're going to do is, since we're we're almost running out of time, I want to kind of do like a speed around of the topics, Jeremy. So like I'll shoot you a topic, and then you can just kind of give me like a short and sweet what you think about the topic, and then we'll move on to the next one because I want to get to that news article that you were talking about. Um, about the the study that happened. So tell me what you think about this. This is something that actually Josh Kruger uh, posted on Facebook. He wanted us to discuss uh, bareback sex between two HIV-positive people. What are your thoughts on that? Go for it. I mean, and and the way I say and the reason why I say that is, you know what, you're adults, you're consenting adults. If you guys want, you know, if you want to have bareback sex, go for it. And if you're in a serious discordant um, relationship and you know the risks, and if the uh, uh, if the um, HIV positive person is undetectable and on meds, they are virtually and, and we know that they can't. You know the the risk is negligible. I mean, highly negligible of, of transmission. You know, and and both partners are are willing to accept that risk. Do it. Enjoy. Have fun. Um, enjoy sex. Don't don't uh, don't. Um, uh, you know, limit yourself. Um, right. and, and so something just came into the uh, into the chat room about reinfection and STDs. You know, 
I, I, I think the jury is still out on the reinfection point. Um, I, I, I'm not, I, I, I don't know if I buy it. I don't know if I, if I, 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 the jury for me is still out on the reinfection. Other STDs, you don't need to be wearing a condom to get herpes or, um, syphilis. So, I mean, so those are things that, you know, you should always look at. Um, you can get gonorrhea in your throat. You can get chlamydia in your throat from, um, blowing somebody who's got it. So it's not just, you know, we, we we don't always, it's not always just, uh, you know, intercourse, but um, it's also, uh, you know, it, it just it, you, adults, you know, if you're a consenting adult and you both understand the risk, then you both have made that decision. I'm not one to tell you to force the to force it down your throat, but enjoy one another. That's right. I agree with you on that. It's, it's up to the two individuals. So remember, it's a speed round, Jeremy. Uh, I want to yes, thank Jared for also calling into the show. Uh, the next thing I want to talk a little bit about is serosorting, um, and that's when uh, people living with HIV only date other people living with HIV um, in order to um, not spread, you know, the virus. And it is something that, you know, people seem to do. Um, but for me, I don't think that it is the – Thing that everybody should do. I think serosorting limits the, who knows, if you could, the man of your dreams could be somebody who's HIV negative, who has no problem um, with your status, and you're going to limit yourself and not allow yourself to possibly meet an incredible person. So I think serosorting is a personal choice, but I also think that it also puts limitations on a possible relationship that could be incredible. So um, for me, it's do what you want, but I don't, I don't limit myself to who I could fall in love with and who can love me. Um, I, I want to just move real quickly on to um, uh, what you were going to talk about, your, 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 uh, your new story. I think that's important before we uh, get off the air. Yeah, absolutely, and I think I have a couple minutes here to talk about it. Um, so uh, scientists, uh, this was just published um, this past Friday, Scientists have actually developed an HIV-resistant T cell. And uh, what they're saying is that this is gene therapy, and uh, it is what they've done is they've uh, – oh, gosh, what is it? They've uh, been able to create T cells that, uh, that, have, uh, that are modified in a way to make them naturally immune to HIV. So, and the specific genes that we're talking about are the gene receptors CXR4 and CCR5. I think we've all talked about those. Um, uh, and one of the doctors actually said that, and I quote, we've inactivated one of the receptors that HIV uses to gain entry and added a new gene to protect against HIV. So we have multiple layers of protection, and that's what we call stacking. We can use this strategy to make cells that are more resistant uh, that are resistant to uh, both major types of HIV. So, which would mean that if this is successful, um, it could be the elimination of drug cocktails. So, you go in, you go in for this gene therapy. It's time-consuming. It's not, you know, it, it takes a few few sessions. Uh, but it could mean that uh, no more no more medications to take um, in the long run. Now, wow. the, down, the downside off of that is that it opens the door for, um, uh, you know, uh, causing cancers or other cell deviation. So there's still, it's still, uh, you know, they're, they're still trying to figure it out. Um, they're, they're, uh, they also, they also acknowledge the possibility that cells won't ask the proteins that they're, uh, you know, that they're introducing so they won't grow. So, uh, so there are there are definitely some risks, uh, but uh, so but I, I gotta say, with that type of uh, with 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 that type of with with that type of um, breakthrough, I think that's very possible that um, we could all be Timothy Ray Brown with with gene therapy with the virus just dying inside of us. 
Right, and Jeremy, you can put that link in the chat room. Uh, we're down to the last 10 seconds, so uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Next week we will be speaking with uh, Kevin Maloney. He is going to be coming on and talking about a campaign that he has started on Facebook and in the Twitter universe called um, No Shame About Being HIV Positive. You can submit a photo and they create um, an image for you with um, you know, their No Shame in Being HIV Positive around uh, your image. It's a really cool campaign. You can check it out on Facebook. I uh, have an image I'm going to uh, be sharing with everybody that's on Facebook. Jeremy, I'm sure you'll send one to Kevin, and he'll make one for you as well. Um, and I, again, want to thank you all for tuning in and for giving us your hot topics for all the callers. You can find more information on the fabulous Jeremy Dunn by going to www.positivelyspeaking.com. More information on myself, the radio show, the Posley and Social Network, or to make a donation to keep our show afloat and to keep bringing you our fabulous uh, guests and stories, uh, you can go to www.pazim.com. Jeremy, have a great week, and I will speak to you next week. You too. Have a great time. Bye now. All right, bye-bye. What's going on out here? We got changes to make. It's time to wake up for humanity's sake. Break the silence today before it's too late. AIDS is affecting us, disrespecting us. I'ma go get tested. It's a simple maneuver. It's not about the past. It's about my future. I'm not trying to miss it. I won't be a statistic, so I protect myself whenever I'm intimate. At this moment, I decided to have a plan. It's time to take a stand, because AIDS, I'm greater than. This is Senior Chaos, and this was my deciding moment. Tell us yours at greaterthan.org.